Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, we have Dr. Elizabeth Cecil, Honorary Research Fellow at the Department of Primary Care and Public Health, Imperial College London. And the paper that we're going to talk about is factors associated with potentially missed acute deterioration in primary care. Now, we know that the failure to recognise serious illness or patient deterioration for that matter can contribute to avoidable harm to a patient, but not too much is known about those determinants. So uh, this paper looks further into that. And I asked Elizabeth to start by telling us a little bit more about that background around patient safety in the context for this research. This this piece of research, um, we decided to do because um, GPs provide the um, majority of first contact care and fundamentally every patient um, has the right to good quality and safe care and in primary care three there are around three million consultations per year in in England alone and of, of those consultations about two percent some um, harm may take place so it's a sizable amount so harm uh, well not harm sorry a safety incident harm is much much lower so we felt it was important and one of the major contribute contributors to um self-care is this not recognizing deterioration in health in primary care so that's why we decided at the aim of our study was to investigate what factors are associated with Um, misdeterioration in primary care. And obviously, that's very difficult to measure. So we had to use some kind of proxy measure for that. So what we looked at was we we decided to look at misdeterioration as was basically those um, individuals who had seen their GP, but instead of um, being referred to to hospital by their GP, were admitted to hospital as a self-referral. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we've got the situation where, you know, loads of contacts happening in the NHS, obviously a vast number of contacts happening with general practitioners. And I, I think the risk is it always sounds a bit threatening, doesn't it? But I think you've, you've, you were trying to explain there, and I think very successfully that you only need a tiny number when you've got that many consultations, a tiny number where there's some kind of patient safety issue. And any small differences we can make to that could really have a big effect across the population in terms of improving health, can't they? So, and as you mentioned there, one of them is about if we miss people, and that's always the GP's anxiety. We've always worried. We don't, you don't want to miss people that you need to send to hospital. But this was, so this is an interesting area to address, isn't it? Not that easy. As you say, it's quite a lot of nebulous factors here. Not that easy to determine. So you were looking in this study more at trying to determine um, who might have been missed and um you know, at least by numbers. We can talk about the limitations of that, of course, because it's always, as you say, it's a complex business. Perhaps I could get you to do two things. Is maybe tell you how you tell me how you uh, defined a missed acute deterioration, and also tell me which databases you used and how you put it together. We used um, the uh, clinical research, uh, the, sorry, clinical practice research data link, which is validated. It's a huge um, a data set of validate. It's a validated de- data set that covers about seven between 7 and 11% of the national population. And so we were given an extract on around 400,000 patients who had uh, been admitted to hospital as an unplanned admission. They basically were as an emergency admission. Um, and of those 400,000 um, patients, we found that one in around one in four, um, 116,000 of those patients had been to see their GP first basically, in the three days before their admission. So where, that was our starting point. We, we, we included those that had seen their GP 
we then determined whether they'd ended up in hospital as a self-referral. Um, and there were two ways of determining that. Firstly, we looked at their um, hospital records to see if they were referred by a GP. And then if their hospital records said that they weren't referred to their GP, but they had come through a &E, we looked at their a &E records to see if their a &E records stated whether they'd been referred to any &E by a GP. Um, and so by... Uh, using those that were GP referred or referred, uh, we uh, all referred through any. &E, we um, determined those that were self-referred. Yeah, so that was the key. So those that had seen their GP in the last three days, but then self-referred into the hospital, and obviously CRP CPRD is a well-known database to anybody who yeah. reads anything in the BJGP and you know wealth of good information. So I should get you to tell me, so tell us a little bit about what you found. Okay, well, what we found was we found that basically we the methods that we used, we used um, a statistical model um, called generalised estimating equations. And what we measured was the odds of um, a self-referral. And we found that um, we found because we looked not only at all diagnoses, we looked at a subset of diagnoses as well. But we found across the board that the time spent with a JP in that in that um, a consultation within three days before the admission was associated um, negatively with uh, the admission, whether it was a self-referred admission. So we found that there was a strong association between time spent with your GP um, and whether you were self-referred. So you were less likely to self-refer in if you'd seen your GP. And the, uh, if, you, if you'd had a longer consultation yes, time. Yes, so that's not only just seen your GP, yeah, obviously you'd had actually more time with the GP. So there was an argument here in the results, and we can discuss that a wee bit in a mo. but actually that longer consultation times could have been a factor in reducing self-referral. But I think you mentioned that we have to acknowledge the possibility of reverse causation here as well, though, don't we? Yes, because we've also we've got to take into consideration that um, the time it takes for a GP to refer um, if they're going to refer, exactly, they're going to refer, it's going to, they're going to have to pick up the phone and talk to somebody, which is going to increase the consultation time. And they may just advise, if they have got a short consultation, they might advise the patient go, to go straight to any, &E, yeah. be seen as a. But the other thing that we found, which was really interesting, was that we found that the type of consultation was associated with a self-referral. So if a patient had a telephone consultation, they were more likely to self-refer than if they had a face-to-face -face consultation. And interestingly, further, if you actually broke it down and if they had more than one consultation with a GP in the in the three days before the admission, if they had a telephone follow, uh, sorry, if they had a face-to-face um, -face followed by a telephone consultation, which we describe as a uh, an example of good quality care, they were less likely to self-refer. Okay. A telephone on its own, they're more likely to self-refer, but if they had a face-to-face -face first and then a telephone, they were less likely to. Interesting. Tell us a little bit about, there were some, there were some different, you, you, I say you broke into subgroups a little bit about different conditions and the results for those. Okay, well, what we did was basically, as you can imagine, the power to look at the subgroups uh, diminishes, especially if it's quite an uncommon condition. So, for example, we looked at ectomic, ectopic pregnancies and you've got to remember that these are conditions that are reportedly missed. Um, and there isn't much information on determining which um, conditions um, are commonly missed in primary care. So we so this data comes from litigation 
data. So in a way, maybe the more serious outcomes are going to be the ones that are going to lead to litigation. But in something like ectopic pregnancy, we found that there was very little, you couldn't find, there, there was very little power, but you still found that uh, the time spent with the, with their GP was associated. So across the board, across all our conditions, we also found, as we expected across our conditions, that um, previous health service use and uh, whether in the case of uh, pulmonary embolism, whether they previously had a uh, procedure was associated with um, a misdiagnosis. Um, and a couple of conditions I picked out as well that you've picked out in your certainly in your summary about sepsis and UTI as well. Sepsis, both of those are reportedly commonly missed, and we found that this was the case. They were more likely to um, self-refer be the fact that the deterioration can be very, very rapid. Yeah, it was about 9%, 10% more likely, wasn't it? But um, as you say, though, one thing I think perhaps is worth us emphasising at this point in terms of understanding this, and we mentioned the complexity at the beginning, is that some people are going to self-refer because of the nature of the um, of the nature of the disease, the disorder uh, requiring admission, actually sometimes there's a rapid deterioration and it's not reasonable for the GP to have picked it up three days ago and things change and then safety netting becomes a big part yeah. of the picture then rather than an expectation that GPs would have picked up everything miraculously three days exactly. beforehand. And you, and you might say that three days, is a, uh, we looked at three days and that's, sorry, that's including the day of the admission. So it's actually only, t- with it, it's only covering two days in reality. But um, what we found, what we found was most of those were on the day or the day before. There wasn't, um, and the majority were on the day. There were very, very few that weren't on the day of the admission. Okay, so it does suggest that those conditions could be, there, there is potential here that there's something getting missed in some shape or form. Okay, um, and what do you think the main implications for practice are from your paper? Well, I mean, I, 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 as I understand it, I mean, we've got, we're in an interesting time where face-to-face um, is we're less likely to have face-to-face consultations. So I think this this supports the idea that we should have more that, well, we've got to caution on on telephone consultations. Then more research um, needs to be done because we're very reliant. And interestingly today in the news was that um, it's the fact that uh, uh, patients should be allowed to have face-to-face consultations if they want. And so we support that. But there also that consultation, there has been a call that consultation time should be increased from because on average they're 10 minutes to 15 minutes. So I think this piece also supports the lengthening of consultation times. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. And I have to say, I'm well, I I'm I'm very aware that I almost almost every interview I do these days, we seem to come to the conclusion that longer consultation times and more continuity would make a huge difference. We had a paper in the BJGP just recently and um, it showed that the average time was 10.9 minutes, I think. Um, And there were various factors around that in terms of people in more deprived regions got less time rather than Mm -hmm. more time as well. Um, And actually, I I, I looked back through some of the old data and it was about 10 minutes in 2002 as well. So we seem to have made very little progress despite increased complexity and multimorbidity. So... I'm, I'm waiting for the podcast where we don't interview, where we don't find out that we need longer consultation times <laughs> at the moment. But this is a very powerful bit of um, research and very, um, a very useful contribution. Perhaps I could get you to summarise just quickly the key messages again, please, Elizabeth. 
Well, I think the key messages um, of this paper is that consul, that time spent with a GP um, before a, a admission is uh, associated with the likelihood of self-referral. Uh, that a that potentially a that a deterioration might be missed because a GP doesn't spend enough doesn't spend long enough with their patient. They don't have time. Fully to to diagnose um, carefully in the in the set time, and also the other really important uh, bit of information to take home from this is that um, GPs more likely to miss consultations if they're done um, get deterioration if they're done over the phone than um, consultations that are done face to face. Elizabeth, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.